Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam, Sam, Sam. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. What do you do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executive in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, we don't have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Reporter. Here as always, we are having this kind of carousel of the best of the best in the writing staff at the Athletic to break down this season that is already up and running, but not officially. This is not the real stuff that's around the corner. And today with me on the show to talk about all things Western Conference, we have, I'm going to start out in the deep west, Anthony Slater. Resident Warriors beat writer, Lakers analyst or analyst. I can't even speak today. Slater, what's up, brother? <laughs> what's up? We got some preseason basketball. How are you guys doing? Preseason hoops. So we got going a little bit east, not too far. We got Tony Jones, Utah Jazz beat writer. Been a long time. Tony, what's up, my guy? What's going on, man? How's everything? Thanks for having me. Going fine, man. Of course. Good to see you. Uh, this is the life we're living right now, connecting with y'all virtually but we are on video here even that the listeners can't see that but we're gonna break down the west and, and guys um there's a lot to get to today and obviously we're gonna talk usual suspects lakers clippers go out your way tony with the jazz and, and the warriors uh i think the the secret you know word in the west or the key word is, is parody i was looking at the standings today and reminding myself from last year that i mean parody was not something that we saw a ton of in the West, at least when you talk about, you know, the, uh, the the top of the top with the Lakers and the Clippers. And the Lakers, I think because we looked at the Clippers like the load management squad, we, we never really gave the Lakers the credit they deserve for creating as much distance as they did between, you know, themselves and the field. I mean, they had a nice gap, won the West handily. This year, as I was looking at all these different questions we're going to get into today, it just hit me that, like, you know, everything is going to be by the skin of your teeth, I think, in the standings. Now, maybe the Lakers and Clippers can separate themselves, um, but I think it's going to be fun. And, and like I said, we're going to make the rounds. But but let's start with the situation that is front and center for everybody in the association. So by demand, we're going to jump out to Houston and, and talk about one James Harden because, you know, this situation that – that I've been trying to stay on top of, that obviously our guy Sham Sharani has been breaking news on, Kelly Eco, our Rockets beat writer, telling good stories. Um, this thing is not going away. And James clearly does not want to be with the Rockets anymore. Um, and it has not changed, even with John Wall coming to town, even with DeMarcus Cousins being part of this group, even with them looking pretty good against Chicago uh, in the preseason, doing the kinds of things that even John had had talked about um, John Wall, like essentially maybe this will get James' attention and, and make him feel better about being here. I don't think that's going to happen. And so with James, uh, I want to ask you guys just where you stand on the question of do you think he finishes this season as a Rocket? And if not, where do you think he's going? Slater, why don't you hop in, brother? I mean, I don't mean to enter the podcast you know, throwing heaters, but uh, I, I kind of think he's being overvalued and overrated. Um, of course, the Warriors place. guy would say that. <laughs> no, I just, to me, right now, I think the biggest issue is like, it's how, what Houston wants, I just don't know that they can get. You know, you hear like Ben Simmons plus picks. It's like, 
Would you rather have the next seven years of Ed Simmons, right. his numbers, or, or the numbers that James Harden is going to be getting into his 30, 31, 32, 33? He's going to want 50 million, those mega contracts that those guys get as they age out. Um, James Harden seems to be somewhat declining. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily part of the conversation. He's still unbelievable scorer. I know he's a superstar this year. I just, to me... Hold on, fill in the gap on that. Where I mean, I'm not uh, top of mind. I'm not seeing it. Where do you see him declining? Uh, it just kind of like fading a little bit. I mean, obviously he fades every year in the playoffs. You know, he seems to tire out. But I just mean, um, the efficiency is kind of down. I mean, look, he went from absolutely like top five, maybe most efficient scorer ever. It just you know, it's the margins. Um, and the the he's such an and the age he's thirty one anywhere he. Yeah, you know, to me, like, you know, let's say you put him on Miami. Like, do you think that's going to be seamless? Like, you put him in Brooklyn. You think that's going to be seamless? I mean, Tony, you can jump in, but um, and I don't know how you feel about, like, James as an asset. I know, like, to me, he could be the final piece somewhere, but it's just, it's not, like, one of those just, I don't know. I, I'm just not as there on him as maybe other Well, I think the biggest... What do you think, Tony? I'm, I'm sorry. I think the biggest thing that you have to ask yourself is if you trade... If you're a team and you trade for him, does that automatically... Um, does that automatically give you a championship? Or is it at that automatically give you a runway to a championship? So, if you're Philly and you trade, let's say, just for the sake of argument, you trade Ben Simmons and three first-round picks... Does that make you the favorite in the East? Does does James Harden and Joel Embiid make you the favorite in the East? Same same thing to ask yourself if you're Miami, or you know any one of a number of contenders, especially at those numbers. And and I think the answer is no. Um, you know I, I I would think that if you're Philly and you traded for James Harden, it it, it would obviously um, I think it would make you a better team than than Ben Simmons right now. But I mean I couldn't be sure because. I happen to, to hold a lot of esteem for, for Ben Simmons. I think he's a terrific two-way player, t- terrific two-way talent. Um, so it's interesting and it's and it's difficult um, on a number of levels to it, it, and, and it's hard. And it, and it makes me, going back to, to Sam's original question, it, it makes me wonder, you know, is does, does that happen? Does James Harden you know, be, is, is he traded or is he still in Houston, you know, even by the, by the trade deadline, you know, I think the desire is for James Harden, obviously to one, want to move on to another situation. I think the desire for, for Houston might be to, to, to uh, acquiesce to that request. Um, but somebody, it still takes two to tango and, 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 and you still have to find a taker. And that is a really, really difficult contract to trade. If if I was if I was Houston, I would take Ben Simmons for James Harden straight up right now. Yeah. This second, yeah. I would do that trade. Um, but I, it doesn't sound to me like Houston's there. It sounds like Houston's like well. Every, every. <laughs> I feel like we might have talked about this last week, but I, part of what Houston is doing that I don't think is is going to pay off in the end is they're acting as if you know other teams should actually care about previous transactions. That there's some sort of in totality perspective on well, we we gave up this much to get Russell Westbrook and. And now we moved him on it. And they're so in the red when it comes to assets with the way they've moved the last couple of years that somehow the person who trades for James Harden is responsible for replenishing some of that. That's just not how it works. Um, Tony, you, you, you know, you got me thinking a little bit about, God, you know, is there any way they they would hold on to him through the season? I don't think so. I mean, I think where I fall on this thing is I think that he will be on the move. I agree that it's going to be really challenging. I, I don't like most of the candidates that have been discussed in terms of like viability of a deal. You know, I look at Milwaukee, I think that's really complicated. Not to mention, you know, all of a sudden when that prospect came out on social media the other day, the old video of Giannis kind of joking about how James doesn't pass the ball kind of made the rounds, which I think, you know, does matter. Uh, to me, Philly is the natural landing spot. And even though everything you guys said about Simmons is dead on, you know, I'm going to lean into the idea that Daryl Morey has got the biggest soft spot for James Harden of anybody on the planet. He is the guy that empowered him the way that, you know, really right now, I think we're seeing the downside of the way the Rockets empowered James. And it wasn't just Daryl, but it was definitely Daryl at the head of that line. They, they essentially told James, this is your franchise. And, and so it it seems natural that on the back end of that, 
Darrell would be the guy to make the move, even if Tony, like you said, you know, Ben Simmons is the guy that you should be betting on for the long term. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, but it's such an interesting situation. I'll be honest, I feel bad for for John Wall and, and Demarcus because those guys look like they're ready to rock and and I'm sure they want clarity on just what their season's gonna look like. Well, see, here's here's the thing. I mean, you know, there, there's there's two schools of thought that I have here. For for one, if I'm Houston, I'm not sure that I, I'm I'm trying to get an all star talent back. I mean, they've treaded. I don't want to say treaded water, but they've, you know, they've given away so many of their assets. Short. My thing right. is, if you're trading James Harden, you got to try to get some assets back. A lot of them. Right. Um, and that's the the first the, the the first school of thought. But the second school of thought for me is, you know, that Houston team that we saw, or that we saw, you know, this this weekend. If that's real, this this is still a good team, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. It, it's still it's still a team that has some variety. It's still a team that's dynamic off the dribble. It's still a team that's dynamic from behind the three point line, and and it's still a team that can be dynamic defensively uh, if it chooses to be. So, you know, it's to me. I mean, it, it's not a team that's going to contend, but it's still a team that's going to be competitive. You know. But if you if you put James on it, Tony. You know what I mean? Right. If you take everything else away, you take away the dysfunction, you take away – that's to me the the uh, the unfortunate part for the Rockets is that I think it has so much to do with personal dynamics between Tillman Fertitta and James and the decisions that have been made. Mike D'Antoni heading for the exits, obviously Daryl going to Philly. But if you strip all that away and you just talk about the game and you say, you know, where could James Harden make the most noise this season – I think that team is on the list. You know what I mean? And his his best route might be to just go back to work, but it just doesn't work that way because he's a human being who obviously is feeling pretty strongly about that situation right now. Well, he obviously doesn't want to be in a situation. And, you know, the other thing is, I mean, you know, he's he's made it very clear. I mean, when you're when you're when you're on video on you know the first day of training camp and you're at a strip club and you're making it rain and obviously you don't want to be there and then you're at little right. baby then you're at little baby's birthday party and then you're in Vegas or you know those were I mean the thing about James Harden is he's very hard he's not often on social media so I mean these these posts to me I mean it, it wasn't that's a good point you know these these posts to me that they weren't it wasn't a mistake <laughs> it wasn't a coincidence. Right. So, you know, obviously he sent some really strong messages and, you know, it's, it's I think it's up to both parties to kind of just, you know, figure it out and, and, and figure out the best course of action. What's even like the percentage chance that we're sitting here in two months and James Harden's playing good offensive basketball and the Rockets are a feel good story like that just seems so unlikely at this point uh, to me. Miami's a little bit of a stealth destination that, you know. If they they're maybe waiting on the Giannis decision, you know, does he sign the Supermax or not? Because let's say Giannis does commit to the Bucks, and you know, Sam, you might know more about that than I do. But if he did, does Miami pivot and go, okay, so if we know we're not going to get Giannis, here's Tyler Hero and some picks. And to me, if you're Houston, they're probably the last, you know, part of this partner in this whole scenario that just needs to go. Look, I know we have dreams of getting the Anthony Davis packets for Harden. But they need to accept something less than that. And that's yeah. probably the last thing they need to happen. I mean, I could see that if, like you said, the Giannis thing um, turns that way. And then if Pat Riley gets on the phone with, you know, the permission of the Rockets, I'm going to pretend that they wouldn't tamper there, um, and and convinces him of that heat culture in the way that he has so many other stars. Like, you don't do that move unless you feel pretty good about the vibe that James has given you in those conversations. Because that's the other thing with James is that it's, I don't know that we've ever seen a former MVP who is such a problematic fit with so many teams because of the way that he has taken his career in terms of how he plays. And and that's, again, it goes back to the way the Rockets were structured and, and built. You know, I mean, Slater, when Sean's reported about the Warriors putting a call in, on Harden, you know, your mind immediately goes to that place. Like, wait, could he even fit? You know, would he even be willing to share the ball that way? Would he be willing? Because it's not a case of where is his best shot at a championship. I do think that, you know, neck and neck with that, if not above it, is where can he play the game the way that he's gotten used to playing the game. And I, and I think that's a problem for a lot of teams. 
Uh, we'll see what happens there. Let's keep it moving in this West breakdown. Uh, we're going to kind of go backwards and talk about the squads that, that might be going the wrong direction. And the question here, guys, is who makes the biggest fall? Uh, now, resident Oklahoman Andrew Schlecht has decided that uh, OKC cannot be part of this group. Uh, you know, and, and just, listen, Andrew, by the way, don't be sleeping on them again. They had a few moments in the preseason and and who knows if they win more games than we thought they would like they did last year. But uh, who do you guys see going the wrong direction uh, based on the offseason moves? Tony, let me throw it to you. Well, I mean, I, I think the the obvious team that you, you point to uh, is Denver. Um, and that's because, you know, they've lost, they've lost a lot on the margins of what made them Western conference finals. Good. Now, you know, I still think Denver has a chance to be really good because I think, um, the world of the Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, um, foundation. And I think that Michael Malone is a terrific coach. Uh, and I think that he has a tendency to 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 have his team be resilient and uh, to to figure things out. Um, but you know, one of the reasons why uh, Denver caused so many issues for the Utah Jazz in the first round of the playoffs and the Los Angeles Clippers in the second round is because Jeremy Grant. I mean, that was a that is a that was an elite athlete. When you have a six foot nine guy who you know can kind of guard two through four. Um, who, you know, improved beyond the arc the way he did, uh, who, you know, who who could t- steal possessions on Kawhi Leonard defensively uh, and who was just so, you know, so above the rim athletically, you know, that was a great compliment to the skill uh, and the cerebral nature of, of, of Murray and Jokic. So, you know, I thought that that was a big – uh, a big loss for them. And I thought that, you know, Mason Plumley was a big loss for them. Going from Mason Plumley to Isaiah Hartenstein uh, as your second unit big is, is that's, that's a, to me, it's a steep drop off, particularly defensively. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, how those guys, you know, I know they got Jermichael Green, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how those guys, you know, kind of um, compensate on the margins for, for what they lost. Um, but I do think that, you know, out of all of the teams that, that were terrific uh, last year, I think that Denver's a, a team that, that could drop a few spots. I, I, I like that identification by Tony because I do think there is like, you know, when we think about the hi- history of the NBA, there's that thought. You have the playoff breakthrough and that gets you to the next level. So the next season you should put trampoline further. But, you know, he 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 went on the margins of why I think Denver uh, could be a somewhat of a disappointment. How about Jamal Murray, too? To me, he I just looked at his playoff numbers. 25, 26 points per game off 50, 45, 90. Um, is he that? You know, because you look at his regular season history, he's 18 per oh, game. Oh, here comes like Slater with the bubble doubt. <laughs> You're a bubble doubter? Yeah. I think it's I think it's fair to wonder if Jamal Murray is Steph Curry 2016. Because in the playoffs, he was. <laughs> he in was. the playoffs, he was that. And, you know, if he is that, they're not going to be a disappointment. Right? I mean, <laughs> they're just going to be awesome because they're going to have a superstar guard and a superstar center. Right. But I just don't know that Murray, over the course of an 82, like, was he just hot in that weird environment? You know, I'm again... We'll see. Uh, Jamal Murray no, that's fair. easily pro- prove that he is. But um, do you guys think, like, Jamal Murray was, before the playoffs started, wasn't even an all-star. I mean, he was, like, the 20th best player in the West. In the I mean, West, the first like, word you always player. thought of with Jamal was streaky, and that's not something that a star-caliber player wants to be known as. He was inconsistent. He would have these incredible flashes, and then he would have, you know, single-digit scoring nights. We were going to talk more Denver down the, the, the road in this pod, but I think we should – go all in on the Nuggets talk real quick here because, Tony, you break it down in a, in a really smart way about why they might go the wrong direction. Somewhat for the sake of argument, I think I would counter with with this. Um, the Michael Porter Jr. you know, promotion, so to speak, that takes place with Jeremy skipping town, it's going to be like sink or swim, but I think it's going to be fun to watch. He's incredibly talented. The way he shoots that ball, defensively, just a disaster, and he's got to get better on that end. And Michael Malone has been up his backside for a couple of years now on that front. But, you know, that obviously is their plan to have Michael Porter Jr. play the bigger role. Now, that doesn't help you when you lose the guy in Jeremy who was out there guarding the LeBrons and the Kawhis, you know, pretty well. Uh, I don't know how you check that box. Uh, 
the Jamal Murray thing, he's got to be special again. And Slater, I would probably split the difference with you in terms of kind of that bubble doubt because I think it's legit. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I do. Like, I wrote a column talking to Jamal in the bubble, and, you know, this guy was out here claiming, not claiming, I mean, he was uh, sleeping, taking five hour naps during the day because, like, the bubble environment was so unique where he would just lock in play ball, you know, now it's it's back to your home environment, juggling regular life, and who knows what impact that might have on his game. He was incredibly special. Um, but the Jeremy Grant thing, guys, like that shocked them. And and they, and this has been widely reported, you know, they put the same money on the table for Jeremy that Detroit did and couldn't believe that he wanted to go that direction. Now his whole message to them was that he he's betting on himself and he wanted a bigger role uh, offensively. And that's not, you know, in terms of having a, a real nuanced kind of sophisticated offensive game, that's not what he's known for. Seems like he wants to grow in that department. And that's definitely a step backwards, but um, I think they'll be right there. I mean, I've got like the kind of the Utah, Denver, Portland mix. Those teams seem like they're going to be really close together. Yeah. See, I'm right with you, Sam. See, I think, I I would look at the tiers of the West like this. Like, I think the Lakers are significantly ahead of the rest of the Western Conference. I would put the Clippers number two, but slightly behind the Clippers. And I'm talking there's not much separation at all. I'm looking at Denver. I'm looking at Utah. I'm looking at Portland. And I'm looking at Dallas. All four of those teams, to me, can finish anywhere between three and six in any order. And it's just all going to depend on what happens in a few games during the regular season, you know. And and so, you know, I I think that, you know, when you look at Denver, just like you said, Sam, I think that they're they're going to be right there. And and you're right. You know, the Michael Porter Jr. thing is going to be fascinating to watch because, you know, not only – number one, he's an incredible shot maker for his age. Um, You know, so that – you know, that makes up a little bit for what he is defensively and what he isn't defensively. Um, but number two, I mean, the thing that's fascinating for me is he's got a number one guy mentality on a team where he's yeah. going to be no higher than number three and maybe number four because you have Will Barton. So how's that dynamic going to work when because, you know, there were a couple of times in the bubble I mean, Nikola Jokic is looking for an outlet pass, and Michael Jordan's like, nah, go post up, big man. I got this. And this is Nikola Jokic that we're talking about, right? Right, right, right. right. Remember his post-game comment after one of the playoff games about, like, oh, yeah. we need to you know, get me right. some more looks. Yeah, like, he's, he's not – he's not. I don't try to be soft. My, I mean, he's not savvy when it comes to that part of the game, and I think that actually might be a problem in the locker room. I, not to – I mean, the Jeremy Grant thing, you see a move like that, it makes you wonder just in general, where was he at in terms of not only his opportunity there, but did it have like a Michael Porter ripple effect? I think from, and I, you know, I've had heard some rumblings that part of Green's reason for, for leaving, number one, I mean, the Troy Weaver connection he has in Detroit. For Grant, you're talking? City days for sure. Yeah, yeah Grant, sorry. Um, but also... I think he kind of sensed the writing on the wall that Porter was was next up, yeah. somewhat positionally similar. And you know, the, look, the personality of Porter Jr. is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it it does, I think, bother some people around there. Well, right. the thing about it is, no, they'll be interesting. The thing about it is, you know, he was right in the bubble, right? Like he was the guy that on a pickup in a pickup game, he's not getting the basketball. He stops playing defense, and he come outwardly complains to his team on the floor during the pickup game. Yo, you're not getting me the ball. And the team and the team says, okay, here, here's the ball and you do something. And guess what? He did something with it. Like that was the fascinating part. Through all of that complaining, you know, went through a press conference, was like, yo, you're not getting me the rock. And then they gave him the rock and he actually delivered. You know, so that that, that was the fascinating part of it for me. Yep, no question. All right, guys, I'm going to keep it moving. Good Nuggets talk. Um, I'm switching one of the questions again here to keep it in the same neighborhood because, Tony, you hit on the fact that you got these tiers to the West. So let's keep it going with that second tier. If you got to pick one, uh, uh, you know, Blazers or Jazz, what are we looking at? The Blazers go out, 
They get Robert Covington. Uh, I thought they had a nice offseason. Obviously, hold on to Mello, um, do some good things, and, and get Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum some help. They're going to have Yusuf Nurkic healthy. Um, you know, and, and I think we saw late in the bubble what they can do with that trio. And then you add these role players. Uh, if you got to pick one of the uh, the two teams there, who do you think? Can I can I spin this to Tony? I have a question for him. Yes, sir. Um, because this this might inform my answer. Um, what? Because I think Utah. If I, you know, we don't know anything about locker room dynamics. I like Utah more than Portland. Um, but what's up with the Go Barrier situation and you know contract year and like is the, do you get a sense that that is going to be like a kumbaya locker room or is that are they get is that core getting a little stale there? Um, because if that's the case, I probably would like Portland more. But I they just bought don't. Derek Favors back to the locker room, and and I cannot tell you how big that is uh, for the locker room because he is uh, he's a galvanizer, and Derek is one of the guys that can you know talk to Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell listens to him. Uh, Derek was Derek was Donovan's vet. Um, for those first two years that he was there, and I think Donovan, Mitch, I think Donovan missed Derek, uh, as did the, the the rest of the the rest of the Jazz. I'm actually pretty high on the Jazz this year. I think they have a chance to be pretty good. Me too. Um, I think, you know, there aren't like they don't have like they don't have the LeBron, they don't have the Kawhi, they don't have the Kevin Durant, they don't have the Stephen Curry or the Giannis. Um, but what they do have is they have a ton. Of playmakers, they have a ton of guys that can just get at you off the dribble, get into the lane, find their shot, or find shots for other guys. Um, they have a ton of shooters. Um, I think that uh, uh, favors galvanizes the second unit, especially defensively. Um, and and I think that the second unit was was Utah's uh, huge trouble spot last year. And if they fix that. Uh, I think they're going to win a lot of games. Now, I don't, I still don't know what to make of their their playoff ceiling, but I think for their regular season ceiling, I I, I would put them. Um, I think they have a, a puncher's chance of being with any team in the West, uh, not named the Los Angeles Lakers. The continuity to me is like that's what I think will be fun to watch in the West. Is you got this group where they, you know, I think there's a clear separation between teams that have some continuity and, and some that don't and some that are the new mixes, but I mean, the jazz might be on top of that list when you talk about the core. And, and I talked to some folks out there last week and the message that I was getting and Tony, you, you hear this stuff every day is that first of all, and this is very important coming out of the bubble uh, by all accounts, they came out of the bubble, like close, tight, not fractured. Uh, even with the three, one, you know, disappointment to Denver, coming out of there with connectivity, coming out of there caring about one another. And after everything that happened, obviously with Rudy being the first NBA player who was publicly known to get COVID and, and then everything from there, uh, kudos to them for getting through that. And and I think going forward, it seems like they're in a pretty good place. You know, you got your usual suspects. You got Joe Ingles out there. You re-sign Jordan Clarkson, make sure you hold on to that scoring. I like what they're doing. I am curious – uh, with Rudy and his extension situation, if that'll get done, seems kind of like a 50-50 Well, that's the, that's the big thing, you know. Yeah. So here's a, there's an offer on the table. There's a def yeah. definitive yeah. offer on the table. Um, the two sides have met. Um, and, and the sense that I get is that, I mean, right now we're a week out, right? So the sense that I get is that it's probably going to come down to the wire with this. Right. And, and – you know, it's interesting. You know, the, the Jazz want to give Rudy a lot of money, obviously, but they don't want to give Rudy the Supermax, obviously, because I think at 35%, 35% of the cap is going to be hard. The, the thing for the Jazz is they're going to – they want to lock Rudy and Donovan in. They have Donovan locked in. They want to lock Rudy in, but they also want to try to get better on the margins, you know, as they have right. their core locked in. And you can't do that if you're given 35% of the cap. So there's a there's a number that's on the table, and it's just going to be uh, a question of whether both sides can can find a number that they can live with uh, sometime in the next seven days. Right. That honestly might be the the 
you know, story of their season. You know, do they get it done and there's there's cushy feelings going into the season and Gobert feels like he's committed there long term? Right. Or is he on a contract year where he's fighting for money and he's looking at the organization going like, you know, do you not believe in me fully? So, right. um, but Sam, you made the point I was going to make about the continuity. This is the continuity tier when we're mentioning Utah, Portland, and right. just the idea that they're going to roll it out game one and Lillard knows where McCollum's going and Nurkic. And, Especially and in this Utah. environment, right? Like yeah. with everything yeah. that's going on. I think that's huge. Well, yeah, and I mean, I said because I just watched the Warriors preseason opener, and and the Warriors have there's the theory of a good team, and I know we'll get to the Warriors, but you know they're bumper cars out there. They're just a, wait, wait, why right. is Steph Curry kind right. of over here? Because right. you know it, they've never played together. Kelly right. Oubre and Wiggins, and it's just like a weird collection that could be good together. But I think it's going to take a couple of months. Where Utah, Portland. They're going to probably be, you know, maybe nine and three right away because you know, right. they're just going to come out and, and know each other. And that matters when we're talking about you, what you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, which is, you know, not that many games are probably going to separate the three seed and the seventh. Right. All right. For the sake of actually answering these questions, Slater, where do you end up falling? Blazers or, or Jazz? Utah. Um, but maybe I changed my answer. If Rudy Gobert walks into the season, you know, uh, on a contract year, but eh. I think Portland's offseason was a little bit overrated, um, to be honest with you. Um, I think I agree I, with I, you. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do like... Although Harry Giles, man, Harry Giles might be like, if you're talking about contract efficiency, he might wind up being number one in the whole league this year. Coming Tony in on a minimum. Sacramento bias. You hear that Sacramento <laughs> bias coming out of Listen. I, just the, saying. The thing with Harry, you just got to look at Harry and be like, look, look, man, your best ability is your availability. And that's that's... Yeah. You know, if he could stay on the floor, I mean, you, that's a steal to me because he's really, really talented in a lot of ways. The minimum, man. You know, the minimum. So the question is whether, you know, whether or not he can stay on the floor. The thing that I look at with Portland is, I mean, you know, Robert Covington aside defensively, you know, who do, who do those guys stop? Because they, they still have too many guys that have to play that just don't stop anybody. And right. and that that's to me, that's to me the separator between Utah and Portland because I think both teams are dynamic defensively. Uh, I think the Jazz can get more stops at the highest level defensively. Uh, both teams are dynamic offensively, but I think the Jazz can get more stops defensively at the highest level than Portland can. So I think both. I'm I think I'm accurate. We all, all three got Utah. Is that the uh... The verdict here? Yeah, I would take Utah. I was going to say bubble belief or bubble uh, mirage. I would say the Gary Trent Jr. Um, yeah. You know, is he what he was in the bubble? If right. he is. I mean, he's a rising, you know, like not all, you know, but like a rising really good wing. Right. Portland might be elevated, but if he's Gary Trent from what, what we thought. I don't know. Yeah, I got Utah too. Uh, I think we need to be careful not to overlook what they've already accomplished. And again, terrible finish to the playoffs last year, but, but I think they're going to be dangerous and, and and if they don't have drama, which we know they had plenty of last year, I think they're going to be uh, in a very good spot. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. 
And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. I, I don't know why I'm going to keep pushing the Clippers down this list so we can have bookend kind of LA discussions, but let's jump into Slater's Max. backyard. Well, I don't okay, know. Let's, let's talk Warriors, man, because we're talking about, you know, yeah. deeper into the playoff uh, kind of breakdown and, and how does that look? And it, you know, we do this to a degree every year where we just talk about teams as if they are. Uh, would be playoff teams without actually doing the math and figuring out, you know, reminding ourselves that only eight squads can get in. Uh, this is definitely one of those years. You look at the Warriors, and, and so the question is, are the Warriors a playoff lock? And, and, you know, your your mind tells you, oh, yeah, Steph Curry's back, this and that. Wait a minute. I don't know. Like, break it down. Uh, it's going to be tough. But Slater, what do you think? Well, what's interesting is now, are we considering if you get in the play-in a lock, like all the way down to the <laughs> Yeah, the conversation. that's a good question. Um, but, but I mean, the answer to your question is no. I mean, Steph Curry's got to stay healthy. I, I witnessed it last year where game four, he, you know, driving, boom, breaks his hand. Uh, on And so, and it's like, they're the worst team in the league. So, yeah. you know, with one play. Um, so, if we're, if you're guaranteeing me Steph Curry is going to play 66 of 72 games, I wouldn't say lock. I would say I would predict that they would be a playoff team. Now, I've identified kind of that six seed as as their target. Um, but to me, this is a Steve Kerr season. Prove you are Eric Spolstra, who has gone through. You know, Eric Spolstra had the LeBron, Dwayne Wade teams that was like, you, you know, he, he, he became an NBA title coach that way. But, okay, Steve, can you kind of rearrange who you are? You, you no longer have the Iguodala the uh, Sean Livingston, the David West, those smart teams that perfectly are, you know, pass and fluidity offensively like you want and, and you know what they're going to do defensively. Can you turn what I was mentioning earlier, a weird but intriguing collection of talent, I would say, with like Ubre and Wiggins on the wing. Uh, I do think Draymond will be good defensively this year, even though he's still not going to shoot. This Wiseman idea center-wise, like can you turn that into what he is saying in training camp? Steve is pretty, you know, he's a pretty honest quote. He thinks they could be a top 10 defense. He thinks they could be an elite defense, he says. Um, but that's going to take a little bit of time. You know, you talk to people behind the scenes. They think they're going to start slow. They start on the road. Four-game East Coast road trip, which includes Brooklyn opening night, Milwaukee on Christmas. You're probably talking about um, 0-2 potentially right there. And Yeah, I and mean, if, if Duran and Kyrie look anything like they did last night, I know it was a, yeah. a, a, a Wizards team that didn't play anybody, but my God, that, that might be ugly out there. Yeah, and, you know, every team is dealing with this, but Draymond Green right. has not practiced. When's he, James, when's he coming one? back? Any clarity? Sounds like they're hoping him and James Wiseman could get back into practice. Um, they're Neither of them are likely to play one preseason minute. And to me, that's a big concern on Wiseman, right? You wanted to plug and play him 25 minutes at center. He's behind the eight ball now. Uh, you're you're a rookie, a 19-year-old who played three college games, and you're not going to get one, you know, a training camp practice or a preseason minute in. Opening night, you're going to be guarding, you know, Kyrie and KD, you know, and like pick and roll type stuff. So um, I think come month two, we're talking about a team that does look like they're a fringe playoff team. But if Kerr has a good season, if they come together, I do think that we could be talking about them in the five seed, six seed conversation, but there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of ifs if we went down the roster. This has to hit well. This has. To Don't hit. you think you got? I like your pressure angle because you're right. Like if they're going to do it, these things have to happen. Don't you think some of that that those pressure points should be uh, put in Draymond's direction? Because to me, like I mean, this is a huge year for him. Yeah, no question. He's stepping into a four-year, $100 million extension. Uh, he was bad last year. It was his worst professional season last year. He hasn't shot above 30% from three now in three seasons. Um, and he's just he took a year off. And honestly, I understand why he did. Um, we all know Draymond's mentality and, and the fact that Draymond needs to be in like just a winning environment to care. And Draymond's one of those players that like when he does, you know, when an elite score doesn't care, he can still go out there and score 19 and everyone will kind of be like, whatever, you know, he had an okay game when Draymond's not good. He's like, it's bad. Um, so 
yes, this is completely on his mentality. Uh, you know, and when Steve Kerr says they think they could be an elite defense, that's Draymond Green is the engine of that. And, right. And the mental and, and, you know, obviously physical engine of that. So a lot of pressure on him. Um, but from prior, you know, from conversations behind the scenes with people that know him uh, and even him, uh, he's confident. He thinks he's going to have a bounce back season. Right. Um, and the truth is, and this is how he will put it. The last, it, anytime the basketball has mattered, he's always been there. Uh, every time, you know, you cannot name one playoffs that he had a bad playoffs. And his thought is, look, when the stakes are back, because they weren't there last year, he'll be Draymond Green again. We'll right, see. right. Tony, what do you think on the Warriors front, brother? Yeah, I, you know, I think they're in that 6 7 seed conversation. I mean, I think they're a playoff team. Um, because, you know, I think you have to say that out of respect for Stephen Curry. I mean, he's been that great and he bends defenses that much. Um, you know, I think when you look at Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, those guys are going to see looks that they've never seen before. Um, you know, I think that once you get James Wiseman up to speed, uh, I think that his athleticism and his ability to do rim run and, and play above the rim is going to matter, especially with Stephen Curry, you know, so, I think combined with that, combined with with how athletic I think the Warriors are going to be, the Warriors are going to be really athletic. They're going to be long and athletic on the wings. Um, Wiseman gives them, you know, a freak athlete in the middle. You know, so they're they're going to be a, a they're going to be an athletic team, and you know, and Stephen Curry to me is is still one of the top five players in the world. Um, you know, the the re, the issue with the Warriors is they still have some they ha, they have some flaws, right? Like. They're not the shooting team that they used to be, uh, especially, you know, once you get past Stephen Curry throughout the roster. So Steph's not going to be – Steph's going to see the spacing this year that he used to see in 2011 when he had Monte Ellis. You know, right. you know that, that's the kind of spacing that he's going to have this year. That's the other story coming out of this team to me is – and Steph is so popular in the media for obvious reasons because he's very, you know – professional respectful nobody wants to say it like this the worst case scenario for Steph and the Warriors this year is that his legacy takes a hit like it really could uh I, I think if it doesn't go well and if they don't make the playoffs then you have stars all over the NBA that I think would rightly look at this Warriors situation and say I mean if you can't get your squad to the playoffs even though you're down your co-star uh you still had talent around you you know they need to get to the playoffs for him to not take I think justified hits, and I don't know because I I hear you guys on six spot, seven spot, and then again it's it's like then you start breaking down the list. Let's say you go Lakers, uh, Clippers, Utah, Denver, Portland, Dallas. That's six. You know, maybe through, yeah, maybe through it. Then Phoenix has got Chris Paul. We're going to get to them in a minute. Let's say somehow, some way, things go pretty well in Houston. You know, I mean, Houston could be a playoff team. Um, you know, they might be scratching to get into that play-in tournament, you know, just to get a chance at this thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that Golden State's better than Houston, and I think they're better than Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the team that we all need to pump our brakes on. Um, okay. Um, you know, so I, I would, at minimum, put Golden State over both of those teams. Now, I would put them behind the first six. Like, I think both L.A. teams, Utah, Dallas, Portland – Denver, you know, all six of those teams to me are are separated from the West, the rest of the West, um, you know, and and I, I just think that a lot has to go right with Golden State. Like Steph has to be great. Not I, I think that Steph is going to be great, but Andrew Wiggins has to be terrific. Kelly Oubre has to be terrific. Draymond Green has to be terrific, and even then, there's still some flaws. Like the the best Warriors teams had two or three even at sometimes four guys who were terrific off the dribble uh, who can bend the defense. This team has one. Stephen Curry is your dynamic ball handler. And, right. you know, he's not used to being the only dynamic ball handler. And Stephen Curry is your only dynamic shooter. And he's not used to being your only dynamic shooter. So it's going to be – not only is it going to be, you know, uh, not only is it going to be an adjustment period for guys playing with Steph – uh, it's going to be an adjustment period for Steph dealing with the guys who are his supporting cast as well. Yeah, I think they need to get themselves out of half court offensive settings as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, get in transition. Uh, and but 
the one thing I've been encouraged so far is they know this. Steve Kerr's talking about it's got to be a fast team. It's got to be a disruptive team. It's got to be a good defensive team. Kelly Oubre, just, you know, you know, go guard Jamal Murray in the preseason. You know, just try to make things happen defensively, get moving. And, and to me, and we can flip this maybe conversation to Dallas, um, that is the, the team I'm kind of looking at the Warriors against because there's this idea, you know, Luka Doncic is kind of a singular force in Dallas, and he's going to just will them to, you know, 4C, 5C, whatever people think on Dallas. Um, do we think Doncic is better than Curry at this point? I would say the general thought is people believe Doncic in Dallas will be better than Curry in the Warriors. And I just think that's interesting. Uh, and, and to me, this might be an MVP conversation type thing. If both teams are good, to me, who's better, Doncic or Curry? Uh, and that might be just like, which team is better? Because Luca's to me, got sim- a similarly flawed roster below him. And and I don't know Christoph Porzingis, uh, you know, medical report, but where are you guys at on Dallas? If we're going to look at, you know, flaws with Golden State's roster, we got to look at, you know, we got to look at Dallas as well. I mean, you know, how much shooting did they lose with Steph, with Seth Curry going uh, yeah. to, to, to Philadelphia? And, you know, does the defense that Josh Richardson bring, bring does that defense – offset the lack of shooting the the shooting that they lost and and possibly the lack of spacing and then you know i think the other thing is you know you're relying on trey burke to to be what he was in the bubble off the bench somewhat even though they get jalen brunson back and now i think jalen brunson has a chance to be someday the best backup point guard in the league um you know so it, it's it's one of those things I, I think they gained a lot of uh, I think they gained some defense. Uh, I think you know them getting Powell back is going to be uh, is going to be good for them. Um, but if you know the thing with 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 what Anthony said, if you know Kristaps Porzingis is out for the first month or the first six weeks, or if he doesn't get back until February, something like that, you know, how good is this team in, in relation to the rest of the rest of the West? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think the Mavs are going to struggle to, you know, to be in that mix until Porzingis gets back. Um, they add James Johnson too, which I'm curious to see if that, you know, conceivably that checks the toughness box that was missing when they played the Clippers. And I saw that firsthand. You know, that was uh, actually I take that back. I think I was in quarantine in the bubble when that series was going on. But like they got punked by the Clippers from the toughness standpoint and. When you have a guy like Luca, you just you got to have a crew around him to to essentially let him be great, and so that he's not having to fight his own fights. James Johnson is there to do that, but it's one guy. I don't know how much difference that's going to make. Um, and, and I think sometimes we also overlook the coaching stuff. We got you know it'd be remiss if we didn't also say they lose Stephen Silas, who was the offensive coordinator for their crew. The you know statistically the best offense in the history of the game in the regular season. So. Um, they're going to be there at the end. I think they're going to come, you know, come on strong at the end. But I think if things got sideways, that's one of the teams that could find itself in the play-in tournament. I know that sounds crazy because of Luca and how great he has been so far, but it's another year of opposing defenses trying to figure him out. Now, obviously, year number two, you know, they figured him out even less than they had in year number one. Uh, but I think that matters. A lot of boxing ones, like you guys talked about with Steph, I think Luca's going to see that too. You know, and, and he's got to continue improving that three-point shot because it's so deadly when he hits it, that step back, but he's still coming in at 32 33%. That's yeah. the question I have. If he continues to shoot, because right now, right, he's shooting 30% from, the, from three, but teams are guarding him as if he shoots 40% from three, if you know right. what I mean, right? right? Like, yeah. it's still, we're respecting Luka, don't let Luka shoot. If he continues to shoot 30, 31, 32% from three, do teams start guarding him different? That's my that's my question. Right. Right. And I'm looking yeah, without, here. He was without Seth Curry around, you know, without with less space. He should have less space. They're still not. And he even actually space. went down, you know, by a by a hair last year. He was thirty one point six last year, thirty two point seven in his rookie year. And it's funny, I remember talking to Steven Silas about that shot. From Luca and Steven talking about how in the beginning of his time with Luca that they would have film sessions 
where he'd be telling Luca like that step back is not a good shot. Please stop taking it. And then he started to learn about, you know, the kind of the, 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 you know, the part that doesn't show up in the numbers of that shot, that it was changing the gravity on the floor. And Luca knows how to use that shot in the kind of way, you know, that took their offense to a new place. But to your point, Tony, you know, I think that might get defended differently going forward and, you know, a lot for them to work through. Um, so Dallas will be in the mix. Let's wrap up here on the big boys uh, and take it back to LA. We kind of short shrifted the Suns a little bit. I don't know if you guys want to jam in any quick CP and Phoenix hot takes. Uh, Play in the- tournament superstars. There, there. That's where I see them in the play. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Anthony. I mean, you know, there were so many people five seed, four seed. I, I'm not there at all. Um, beyond, beyond Chris and Devin, to me, it's, a, it's, it's still a pretty. I don't want to say a thin roster, but you know, in relation to the top six, seven teams in the West, I, 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 I still think Phoenix is at best the eighth best team in the West. I'm dying to see it. Like whatever it is, um, I give Chris a lot of credit for the way he handled his OKC chapter, and and not only you know having a good impact on guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander, but but even Dennis Schroeder, who was a vet. But, you know, I talked to people recently about how, like, Chris had a great impact on Dennis. So I think he'll help Devin, uh, you know, losing guys like Kelly Oubre and Aaron Baines. I think that matters quite a bit, even though Kelly wasn't with them at the end of that bubble experience. So they'll be fun. But, you know, Monty Williams going to have to keep coaching his butt off and and trying to do his thing. Let's jump into the L.A. squads, guys. We know that they're going to be front and center all year long in the West. Uh, and we're going to finish with the Lakers. So with the Clippers starting there, uh, we, you know, listen, at our place, we've had uh, just a ton of reporting about the Clippers and everything that essentially kind of short-circuited their potential last year. And Jovan Buha, our Clippers beat writer, has killed that story. And I'm talking chemistry. I'm talking preferential treatment, you know, which is something that's a reality in pro sports, but for a number of reasons has been – a real focal point with these Clippers. Uh, Paul George having kind of a bizarre public back and forth now with Doc Rivers, you know, where Paul made some comments on the uh, the All the Smoke podcast with Steven Jackson, you know, essentially saying Doc didn't use me the right way. And then Doc talking to Cassidy Hubbard with ESPN comes back and, 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 you know, I don't know if you guys saw that clip, but basically admits on national television that, that Paul's teammates didn't accept him. And so, a lot to get through with the Clippers because, again, there's always this human component. If you just talk talent, then they are 100% capable of winning the whole damn thing. But but how do you guys see you know their culture, their chemistry, and, and what it might mean? Unpopular opinion. Uh, I'm picking the Clippers to win the title. Oh, uh, look at I, you. I think, yeah, I think a uh, – and I've said this. I think an embarrassed team is, is a motivated team. Uh, I think Kawhi Leonard um, is going to have a really good season. I think Abaka is an upgrade for what they need over Harrell, which I know, Sam, we've talked about. Yep. Um, I think Luke Kennard, because he played in the obscurity of Detroit, um, is being underrated as kind of a helper off the bench. Um, I think that Paul George was, you know, this he wasn't good in the playoffs. He had a pretty good season still. If, if you, you know, you go back and really look and and. Uh, revenge is too strong but i I, you know he's he's now set i think i I think he's gonna have a good season and um that the it's tilted in la and and you guys can get into the laker clipper and why who you think is better but i the the lakers to me were the motivated team last year and that's why they had the great seasons why they built the great habits and had the great playoffs their motivation to me tilts this way and i think the clippers goes up i think there's a lot of reputations on the line in the clippers and I think the talent is there to boost them. So I thought the Clippers had two fatal flaws last year, um, which um, actually proved to 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 uh, to to do them in in the playoffs um, beyond everything that happened off the floor. Their two fatal flaws were they had zero rim protection and they didn't have a dynamic point guard. Uh, who can who could do anything? Who could beat people off the dribble and get into the lane? And they fixed one with Serge Ibaka um, to me, uh, but they didn't fix the other. And right. I, I I think um, I think that really matters, you know. And 
the the third thing about them, there are really no good passers on this team. Kawhi Leonard is your best passer. And if you look at Kawhi Leonard in a vacuum and you say what kind of passer that Kawhi Leonard is, Kawhi Leonard, he's, he's an above average passer. They don't have any dynamic passing on this team. And they didn't address – those are two things that they didn't address. And – and I think it's going to hold them back. And, and you know, I, I look at the Clippers, like I think they're the second-best team in the West. But, you know, I can see any one of three teams, any one of those four teams in the next tier, you know, becoming the number two seed in the West because they're just a better, they're just a better regular season team. I don't know how – Kawhi Leonard was obviously gassed um, if the Clippers had beaten Denver, the Lakers would have beaten the Clippers in, in, in five games because Kawhi Leonard had nothing left um, by the end of that second round. And I just don't see how that gets better for him. You know, I don't see, you know, how his health and his durability gets better uh, as he gets older, especially in a 72-game season like this where, you know, the schedule is going to be a lot more condensed than it, than it, than it usually is. Um, I think if you're the Clippers and you're smart, you want Kawhi Leonard fresh for the playoffs, you should load manage him as much as possible. And if you do that, you're going to sacrifice games in the regular season. So, I mean, to, to me, the Clippers are a conundrum for me. I, like, I think they're really good. Um, I think at their highest level, I think they're the second best team in the West. But, man, I, I, see, I just see a lot of potential for a lot of flaws in this team. Well, and I mean that's a good breakdown tone um, to Andrew's question that we were hitting. Like Andrew, you had asked, and I don't think I introduced Andrew. Andrew Select, our fantastic producer behind the scenes here, you had asked, uh, "Will the Clippers drama keep them from the conference finals again?" Like to that question, if I got a pick, I'd probably say no. I, you know, I'll put them in the conference finals. That's fine. But to the question of Lakers Clippers, who's better? Which I got into last week with a bunch of executives and scouts for a story that was pretty fun to do. Like, yeah, I'm with you, Tony. I think the Lakers are the better team. And I think the Clippers point guard deficiency, one that was highlighted by those executives, like you just said, that something that people thought they would fix in the offseason. People thought they'd get in on Dennis Schroeder. The Lakers got him. People, you know, they went and got Reggie Jackson. That's not the caliber of point guard. I don't think that people, you know, consider checking that box. And the lack of playmaking is a problem. Then you talk about the load management then to me, you're going to have the same conundrum that they ran into last year where you sacrifice, you know, not only games, but just the synergy that you need to build and the foundation uh, among your group, everybody getting used to playing with one another so that when you're sitting there in the playoffs that, you know, it's kind of like Slater, you talked earlier about continuity and why it matters. Like they've been right now, Steph Curry's teammates don't know where he's going on the court because they haven't played with him. And that happened with the Clippers at different times. The motivation thing that you bring up Slater, like in a vacuum, I'm with you. I just don't know. I mean, we're going to see. It's going to say a lot about Kawhi and about Paul, uh, kind of what they value in terms – I know it's cliche, but their legacy and, and who they're going to be remembered as as players. Because Kawhi could look at this and say, listen, I'm already a multiple-time champion, uh, a guy with multiple-time finals MVP. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. If we fall short, it's because the guys around me didn't do their jobs. And with Paul – you know, I mean, other than being the guy who you give him credit back in the day for pushing LeBron with those Pacers teams, you know, that was a good chapter for Paul. But now, you know, what's the rest of it going to be? Are you going to be the guy that that takes that embarrassment and turns it into something special? Um, you know, we shall see. Because on the flip side, we know what you're getting in LeBron James. And you know what now, I think, what you're getting in Anthony Davis and, and a group that likes each other and a group that got deeper and a group that's roster now makes it even easier for them to load manage than the Clippers roster does for them. When you talk about a Montrez Harrell taking up minutes and putting the ball in the hole during the regular season, so AD can get you know more time on the bench. LeBron with Schroeder and all those things. So um, I think Horton to me Tucker. it's Lakers over Let's Clippers. Let's not forget Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. So so Tony, yeah. I told Slater before you hopped on, and and I was looking forward to sharing this little anecdote because you know. The bubble was a cool experience and, and little memories kind of come and go on your mind as you talk about these different teams. So we're sitting in Lakers practice one day, I think during the Western Conference Finals, and 
while you couldn't always get, you know, one-on-one interviews when you wanted or, or the access was definitely different, practice was okay. Like you could hang out in the room, watch guys scrimmage post-game. And so one day it's Frank Vogel doing his thing post-practice and a couple of us writers, Dan Wookie from the LA Times was there. We're just hanging and Frank is there and, and you're a bunch of guys just watching ball. And, and Taylor is on the court running with the Jared Dudleys of the world and doing his thing. And at one point, I think Dan mentioned something about how Taylor looked pretty good. And Frank turns to us and he says, man, that effing kid, he goes, he's going to start for me next year. And like, we looked at each other like, what the hell did he just say? And we walked out of that room, like first time ever, like, okay, we knew who Taylor was, but what is Frank talking about? And then you start watching and now you see this, this story is out. This thing is not a secret anymore. I mean, this kid, is putting up numbers. He's efficient. He seems to be pretty fearless. Just turned 20. Uh, give Rob Palenka credit. You know, you got a GM who was much maligned, uh, whose moves just are working left and right these days. You get him with the 43rd pick. I think they traded with Orlando for him. Uh, yeah, Taylor looks fantastic, man. I wouldn't be stunned if, you know, a couple months from now we're reviewing him as the, as the better prospect, maybe even a better player than Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that to me seems like the the guy who's really spot in the future of the Lakers he's coming to take. We'll see. He had 35 in a preseason game. I don't want to – I wouldn't be surprised it, but, if he's starting uh, point guard at some point this year. Right. Well, LeBron's a starting point guard. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, I, 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 think, like, I think, you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised because I think Dennis Schroeder found something. In Oklahoma City, coming off the bench as as your change of pace guy, um, he doesn't like it though. What do you do about that, Tony? Like he doesn't like it. Everybody you talk to is like he won't be. I know it sounds funny because he's not a superstar. He's not I a mean, star. Do you want a chip or not? Like, I know. Yeah. I mean, but he even he's been vocal in the media. All yeah, time, I, I know, did. I did said, see I, that, and I mean, I I get it. I mean, I, I you know I think that there's something to be said for it. Um, and, and, you know, but man, I, I think that, you know, if, if, if THT continues, you know, his ascension and he continues to play the way he has, and if that translates to the regular season, I mean, what do you do with this kid? I mean, you got to play him and you got to right. put him, you got to play him, <laughs> you right. know, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I know, and I know what Slate said about Kyle Kuzma and I, I've seen a ton of that on social media, but you know, THT and Kyle are so different. You know, their roles are so different oh, yeah. that I don't know that that one's playing time bleeds into the next. You know, but it, it's it's no. I think really it's more just like the asset, and I I hate ever referring to players as assets, but just like the just the value of that draft pick, Kyle. I mean, I looked at it the other day, Tony. We forget Kyle was on the cover of the Lakers media guide with LeBron and AD last year. And, you know, how quickly things change. So he was conceivably going to be the third guy that was homegrown that they would elevate and he would play that role. His attitude has been great. You know, he's been willing to to yield, but it, it hasn't worked out. You know what I mean? He's, he's not finding uh, an impactful role within that group. One of the executives I talked to for that story I mentioned just flat out said, I'm surprised he's still on the team. They thought he would move him. And, and we'll see maybe if they do going forward. But – I think the takeaway as we wrap up here is that for me, I think we're on the same page. Lakers, it's it's rich getting richer. And the Clippers made some nice moves that I think did check boxes. But, man, the Lakers, you talk about new pieces that elevate you during the regular season to help you with the load management, which then helps you in the playoffs, combined with some of the the in-house stuff, like a, a, you know, a Taylor Horton Tucker becoming a player who matters. I mean, you can't do much better than that after a championship. Yeah, I I think they're the best team in the league. Um, yeah, by you know, and I don't know if the margin is insignificant. Um, I think that they have more answers than any team in the league. I think they're the best defensive team in the league. I think they're matchup proof more than any team in the league. Uh, they can go big, they can go small, uh, and they proved that last last playoff in the bubble. Um, you know, by beating Houston and Denver in consecutive series, there's just and and LeBron's still the best player in the world, and right. you know it, it's just you know I don't think LeBron's played on a team as complete as this, 
You know, the Miami might have had a little a touch more top end talent, but there's never right. you know th- this this is the, the 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 best team that he's played on from one to fifteen, and for him he he's LeBron's already as good a rate as as good a ceiling raiser as we've ever seen in this game. Um, so you know, you give him this completed roster, and he's playing at the level that he's playing. Uh, it it's just going to be tough to beat the Lakers in four times in se- in seven games once, once it all starts. Yeah, and I mean my like my final thought on that, brother, is like we talked earlier about motivation, about embarrassment, about you know kind of where's your head at. LeBron, I think maybe if he was 26, 27, maybe he takes the, the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I got time. I think LeBron playing at this level, about to turn 36 years old, coming off the championship, I don't think he's going to lose any focus at all this season. So well, he's you know, chasing the he's chasing a ghost that, right now. So that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, you legitimately are are making strides, you know, in the good old GOAT debate uh to the point where you know, you keep doing this. You win another championship this year. That's a game changer in that discussion. He knows all of this. So I think the time factor is going to keep his motivation at an incredible level. And, you know, the Clippers and everybody else got to be ready. So, my friend, I can't thank you enough for all this time. I'm going to let you go. We lost Slater. So thank you to Mr. Slater for uh, for the time and, and the conversation. Always love having you on. Hope you're hanging in, brother. Thanks for joining me. Man, thanks so much for having me, man. And Andrew... Uh, our fearless producer thanks for having me as well uh, and I really appreciate it thanks guys appreciate it As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.